I am honored and beyond excited to be sitting in the same room with my guest today. I'm Ben Rogers, your host, and my guests all serve different roles in our community, and they're all dang good at it, too. When I think of the term servant leader, these folks fit the definition perfectly. So with me this morning are Melinda Kiefer, John Bell, and Robert Bell, who I will call Dr. Bell, and I've already told him he was my dean at Tech for two years and my president at Tech for two years, and I can't get it out of my system. So um, good morning to all of you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate it. My main purpose for having you on is to elaborate on the Putnam County Tornado Relief Committee, the idea of the committee, the process, and I was a part of that committee as we went through, and the implementation. I want to get get to some of that because I want our folks to know – how that come about, where the idea came from, how quickly it had to happen, and who was involved. And, and it's not about uh, boasting on the committee, but it's about recognizing the efforts. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because a lot of people, the, our, our survivors really benefited. And I think it's important to know how that process and for transparency because, Absolutely. you know, there's a lot that happened and people may have questions. So we're here to inform and um, – uh, we're, this was something to me that was good to come out of something so tragic in our community. So before we get into the committee, though, I'm, Linda, I've had you on. Yes, I'm sir. always glad to have you back because you could be on every Thank week. You've you got so much information. Um, and John, your first time and, and, and Dr. Bell, your first time, but you're no stranger to Stonecom. No, I'm, I'm in Stonecom every week, every week. So you're, you're no stranger. But thanks for being here. Melinda, I'll start with you ladies first. You're still uh, the economic community development coordinator for the city of Cookville. It's, it needs to be repeated as it was last time, but you assist more than Cookville. You assist all the cities in Putnam County. Yes. You assist the county. You even branch outside the county and assist other counties and cities. Um, and you have so much wealth information on economic development. But And so that's why people may say, well, how in the world did Melinda get pulled into this committee? If she's economic development, how did this happen? Well, you're a worker. You're a servant. Um, so how, how's the ECD stuff going right now for you? You know, it's really going well. Um, like everything else in our world, um, things slowed down a little bit. Um, tasks that were on the calendar to be completed as far as project work kind of fell by the wayside sure. um, as a matter of priority. Um, but I'm happy to say in the month of June, um, we will have an industrial development board meeting, and the state funding board will also meet as well. So hopefully we'll have some good news to share in the next few days, few weeks. Um, Covil is really doing good. We got preliminary sales tax back for the month of right. April, mm-hmm. and I all I can really say is, oh, my goodness, what a blessing. Better than <clears throat> we thought, right? Better than we had predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're very thankful for that. Um, those are the dollars that are spent here that help educate our kids, pick up our trash, pave our roads, um, and fund a multitude of city services. Sure. So um, I'm going to say our outlook, our economic outlook, is as bright as it could possibly be right. in, in our current time. So, yeah, we're trying to maintain and then move forward and look to the future. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I try to update some county stuff on the show as well. We met Monday night as budget committee, and, and Mayor Porter gave us the numbers. And uh, as you said, they were lower than last year, but better than what we would were thinking would be. We thought it might be a 20% decrease, and instead it was like 9 So uh, we're lucky and blessed. We're to, both very thankful. Yeah, and, very thankful. Um, thank you for shopping local. Um, when you did have items you needed during all of the difficult times. Yes. Um, and I'm happy to report, Ben, you and I can know tax increases yep. for our citizens for next year. Yep, that's the plan. So fiscally, fiscally strong and um, st- 
spending within our means. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> what we try to do. John, I'm moving to you. Um, uh, they say age before beauty, but I'm going to go with the sun here and, and start with John. John, you're the Cookville Regional Charitable Foundation Director. Yes. And how long have you been in that role? Six years. Six years. What did you do prior? I uh, was 10 years at Second Harvest Food Bank in Knoxville. So your life has been about serving and helping other, others. Yes. A lot of the people I have here, that's what they do, and that's my passion. And, and I'm like I say, I'm nowhere near the best at it, but I strive to be a servant. And, and y'all are servant leaders, and, and being the director of that I know is a lot of work, but you come into it at Second Harvest with some experience. So what is what is the Cooper Regional Charitable Foundation doing? Uh, well, it's a challenging time to be sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not seen any decrease in the number of requests for assistance coming from patients. We get those re- requests, of course, primarily from Cookville Regional Medical Center um, physicians and nurses and case managers. But we also get those requests from health departments, from hospice providers, and from physicians' offices throughout 14 counties. Uh, but we have not seen a decrease in those. Uh, we still get requests to help cancer patients and heart patients and others. But we have, of course, seen a decrease in the number of uh, dollars raised to support those fundraising or those uh, charitable activities. Sure. And that's primarily due to, uh, you know, we, we had to taper off those fundraising events or postpone them or cancel them for the year. So we're down a little bit uh, with the money, but not down with the mission. So uh, we're, we're uh, making some changes. We're doing an online virtual race this year instead of our summer splash. We're doing a uh, full month online um, auction instead of our, our pink gala. We'll do that in July. And then we are doing some golf tournaments, trying to social distance those golf tournaments. So we're still uh, tiptoeing back into fundraising and uh, asking the community just to, you know, this is such a wonderful community, just to bless us if they can sure. and help us uh, help those patients who still need help. So other than the events you just mentioned, how else could they give? Because yeah, one of the reasons I have y'all here is for you as well, if, if you've got a cause or whatever. And so how else can they give to the, the foundation? Sure. The easiest way is to go online, cookvilleregionalcharity.org, okay. and take a look at um, – the different patient assistance programs and uh, and charitable programs that we offer. Pick your favorite and make a donation. So okay. if you wanted to restrict a $25 donation to, say, the Cancer Care Fund, you could do that. And 100% of any donation given to a fund like that is restricted for that purpose. I know you see a lot of donations. Um, do you see a lot of, like, individual donations? I know you have fundraisers and events, but do you see a lot of people giving individually? We do. Um, outside of our events, most of our donations are $100 or less. Okay. Um, and a lot of folks think we get big donations. And, yes, we do uh, are blessed to have some of those. But most of our donations are under $100. And, uh, you know, gift can have a huge impact Uh, that can cover generic medication for somebody for a month. So uh, you can, you can make a a big impact on, on a local patient with, with not a huge gift. Sure. Now, do you have a lot of staff? I've never asked you that. There, there's not a huge staff there, but we're small, (laughs) but mighty. Uh, It's myself and Amanda who's full-time and Sarah who's part-time. Okay. Good deal. Dr. Bell. I don't have to do an introduction for you, but I'm I'm going to and and I you know are, you're on the ID board, right? Is that yeah? I chair the I, industrial I, development so board. I, I thought you One were the of chair. The many hats, yeah. That you wear. Uh, <laughs> and so we all know, uh, of course, you haven't been at you weren't at tech your, your whole career. We know that. But right. when I was there, you were, as I said, you're dean of business. Um, then you followed Dr. Volpe. Uh, and, and as president and uh, I, I was happy because you're a business guy and I was a business kid and thought this is great and you did a great job while I was there um, I do have a funny story you, I don't know if you remember the graduation of December 2002 
all the diplomas had the address said Cooksville, Tennessee. Yes, they did. Do you did. remember that? I do. We printed those in Missouri. Okay. And whoever set the print had never been to Tennessee, <laughs> apparently. So I, I, I remember opening my diploma and never even noticed it, but my buddy who struggled to get through, and I won't name his name because he, he's a successful business guy now here in the community, but he was so upset because he said, I, I spent all my life or all my, these last, I think he was in there six years. Uh, through tech trying to graduate, and I finally graduate, and they can't spell Cooper right. I said, dude, they'll fix it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, my president, of course, at tech, what what have you been doing since you've been retired? Well, I've, I've enjoyed every moment I was at tech, and I, I was delighted when the day of retirement came, and it took me about a about a nanosecond to adjust to to retirement so uh, i still stay busy sure. still do a a lot of things but gloria and i are uh, are glad we are retired I, i've got a farm north of all good and i spend time up there i still work for tech some i was uh leading an economic development seminar before okay. um before COVID hit, right. so um, uh, we have put that thing on hold for for the time being. And I chair the industrial board. I also have a passion for Boy Scouts of America, and sure. I'm currently helping chair a fundraising campaign there. So you can uh, call me if you'd like to uh, uh, support the Boy Scouts, or or you can find information online there too. I'm lay leader at my church, and I work on some chamber committees, and and I host a radio show here at ninety four point one. So, so I've still got plenty to do, and I've got some great grandkids and some great grand dogs here in town that take up my spare time. And I was about to say the grandkids. I know they don't get spoiled at all. Not so, a bit. Yeah, not about a bit. How many grandkids you have? I have five: two in Florida and three here in Putnam County. John. Those three. John has two of them, and Heather has one. Okay, all right. She's actually a sophomore at UT Chattanooga, so she's uh, uh, out of the nest in some ways. Sure. Still here this summer, so we're delighted to have her back. So that economic development summit, there's somebody I know really good at economic development. She's right, right here. You, have you asked her to participate? <laughs> she and I work a lot together. We and do. She's, we she speaks on, in my. Yes. She speaks at the seminar every year. Good deal. Uh, the first segment's flown by, so I'm, we're going to wrap it up. But we're going to get in the next segment, and I'll, I do want to get into the committee because there is so much that went on with the committee and good stuff, and, and just to make sure everybody knows. But listen to News Talk ninety four point one FM. This is Ben Rogers. I'm with Melinda Kiefer from the City of Cookville, John Bell from the Cookville Regional Charitable Foundation, and Dr. Bob Bell, uh, retired from president, uh, retired president of TTU, and wears many other hats he just mentioned. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm delighted so, uh, so much to have with me today Melinda Kiefer, John Bell, and, and, and Bob Bell uh, with us. We were here to talk about the Tornado Relief Committee that was set up after the tornadoes come through Putnam County. And I, I think it was just important to have a show to talk about how it was, how it was started, uh, the thoughts and ideas, and, and it happened really quick. Uh, it just, of course, the tornado was unexpected, and it just, it just happened, really started that day, and we're going to get into that. Um, but – Melinda, you, of course, I'm, you, we talked a little bit about the tornado, but you got a call early, too. I know you were very visible with what was going on that day. And then, of course, both mayors were at the EOC. And, and I'm telling this to say this is kind of how it got started. I didn't really think – I was at the EOC, too, and I didn't really think about donations. Right. Like, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, and I'm not thinking about donations. I'm thinking about people. You know, or pe- how many sa- how many people are saved? How many are accounted for? What can I do to help? Right. Um, and so – 
somebody come in and said, hey, there's a lot of fake accounts being set up to take donations. That is true. And so from that point, and anybody can answer, and it may be Melinda be best, but at that point, what happened when that information was brought to the mayors? What happened from that point? Well, as you know, both of our mayors um, really um, use social media to help educate and be a part of their platforms um, for the community. And so they're monitoring um, a lot of different things all the time. And literally, we were sitting there, Ben, you were across the room, and they realize what's happening, that there's hoax and fraud sites being set up. Obviously, we weren't even... Gosh, I don't know that it was 12 hours right. after the storm. So there was no way that kind of information was available to put out there and ask for money. So immediately, literally, um, Mayor Ricky Shelton looked at Mayor Porter and said, okay, we cannot let this happen. Right. And within probably 20 minutes, I know Ricky made a couple of phone calls to the Dollywood Foundation and other places who had helped during disasters. Okay, look, how do we do this? Sure. And I would say by the next morning, um, they had established the ability to use an account. Here's the beautiful part. There was an account, and you helped me with this, okay? There was an account sitting at the county that had been utilized as a special services account when we went through the ice storm. Right. Okay? Right. And that account was about three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And so, looking back, much to the beautiful decision and leadership, the fact that it sat there and that they allowed it to remain open was the immediate opportunity for us to channel that opportunity for people to donate, to support their neighbors, to help with recovery. And in another twenty-four hours. There was a brand, there was a Facebook page, there was Instagram. Calls went out to our corporate partners across this community, um, other states, and the fund is off and running. So, and I haven't asked this part. Who was putting, who created the Facebook page? Who created all that? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever asked. Was that John? Was that you? Who did all the Facebook page? No, most of that was Kate Steakley. Okay. And she just knocked it out of the park, I yeah. think. Yeah, Kate had gone on and started Couple Strong. Right. Um, both mayors used, um, I think, a service, some friends that they had, partners that could create the um, Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund page right. that directed you on how to give and where to give. Um, but other than that, it was so grassroots. And and Caitlin's Cookville Strong sure. was a huge part of that. Yep. Um, so then you can talk about how we all ended up in these chairs. <laughs> well, and, and so... As you said, that existing account uh, at the, one of the local banks here was saved us a lot of paperwork, a lot of time trying to yep. figure out how we establish our committee and foundation or, or organization or whatever it is. It saved us a lot of time. We could just start right away. And, and so that was big for us. But how this got started was with the three people in this room because Mayor Porter and Mayor Shelton contacted you three first. And John obviously has the experience of fundraising. Uh, Dr. Bell has the experience of life and, and managing and running things and being chairs of all kinds of stuff. You have the experience of communication uh, and being efficient, and you're very smart. I mean, nobody – we can't let that just go. But, you, but these three people in this room with me today is where this started. So, the, who, John, who gave you the first phone call? Do you remember? I think 
I was probably at a meeting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were all around a table and they asked me face to face. So you can't yeah. say no when right. that happens, of course. But, right. <laughs> but no, I was thrilled to do it. And uh, we would, I had been working with the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee on getting some immediate money. Right. Uh, because I'd planned on going out to the community center and, and starting to interview uh, uh, tornado survivors. And so we had secured a couple initial grants with the Community Foundation and I was updating the mayors about uh, that opportunity. And it was at that point they said, well, we're putting together this committee and we want you to be a part of it. And um, and there we went. So <laughs> those first few weeks, I was uh, face-to-face with a lot of survivors at the community center uh, while that fundraising effort for the community fund was right. going on. Yeah. Um, so that way, uh, it was kind of a first tier and then a second tier with uh, with the community fund. And I think it's worth noting that you you were able to disperse money to people before this committee was able to disperse money through the community fund, and you were there at the community center. And so I think people need to know that there were there was money available pretty much that day through that that foundation. There was, and there were several churches that stepped in yes. and, and were doing the same thing. So there was immediate money being used, which really gave the tornado relief committee time yeah, to that think. That was the beauty is we had a little bit of time and FEMA and TEMA were active out there also at this point. And um, so it gave us time to to get organized. Yeah. And so I'm sorry. I I just was going to say that's what is so critical about having local resources and a solid foundation. The first 48 hours are critical. Yes. Because of your. Cooble Regional Charitable Foundation, who had an unrestricted fund specifically for this type of emergency right. because the people in this community donated to that fund he literally could put money into the hands of the survivors who had nothing but their nightgowns yeah, when their home was destroyed because their ids probably were gone and debit cards so they had yeah. no way Everything to pay for gone. anything absolutely yeah. wallets were gone purses were gone and so it's important to understand as citizens, our own personal responsibility to making sure those foundational pieces are in place for when something like this does yeah. well, terribly occur. And it, it's, it helped get the start. And, of course, I believe I was told that uh, the question was asked, who should chair it? And the first response was Bob Bell. And um, you're not going to brag on yourself. I don't know if I've ever heard you <laughs> brag on yourself, but I'm going to brag on you. It's the best choice we could have made. So you got the call to chair. Dr. Bell, what was what was the conversation after that? <laughs> well, actually, I got a text first, uh, and I think the reason is they, he probably tried to call, and I was running a chainsaw out at Echo Valley, right. and and so uh, my first memory, anyway, is a a text, and um, asking me if I would be on the committee, not asking to chair it, just right. uh, would you would you join the committee, and then. Uh, I said yes, and a second text came, would you chair it? And, of course. They, they should so, have started with that, right? I mean, that's, that was well, the they, end goal. They wanted to put that hook in gently <laughs> first. Yeah. And, um, and so the, the process, once you committed, the both I, the way I understand it, both mayors got together and started picking people. They did. And, and I don't know the criteria because I was one of the people they chose, and I don't want to say what I, I brought, but from what I – people that were public servants or people that were leaders in the in the community and they they wanted to start with those people and the question i have we know how john got in when did you get the the call or the text to say melinda we need your help with this i was actually sitting with both mayors in the eoc and names started flying out at that time um i do want to point out um 
as those two gentlemen sat there and spoke, it was critically important to them that they have a broad representation of this community. We have a lot of servant leaders, and so the people that they chose to sit down and and look at a formula and a process to disperse funds that would be raised was critically important to them that they have youth, they have age and season, they have um, gender, and that they had socioeconomical. The, they the had, diversity was it, phenomenal. Right. It, it was. And it wasn't, it, it was something they naturally did. I sat yeah. there and listened, and names just popped off. Okay, we, we must have balance. And I want the community to know that um, as part of this story. Um, on how these funds have... But that, that balance, also, every one of those folks was a known leader. Oh, in already, some way, they in they uh, were a known leader. So, and, and I've told this before on the show, talk about the tornado, Randy Porter and I average talking once a day. And sometimes that's weekends. And when this hit, of course, he was so busy, I probably talked to him, or spoke with him three times in seven days. One of those phone calls was this phone call. Yes. And so when he called, I think I was dropped. I, I was in a meeting or something and dropped whatever I was doing and said, yes, sir, what can I do? And he said, I need you to be on this committee. Will you be willing to serve? I said, absolutely. And he named the list of people, which were Lillian Hartgrove, Caitlin Steakley, Micah Johnson, Mark Miller, Judge Leon Burns. You know, and, and of course, I've talked with him some, but he was amazing. Um, myself and I'm, I'm missing one. Dr. Bell. Well, Dr. Of course, he was the chair. Right. So, Dr. Bob Bell, and so that was the call I, I received, uh, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, we have two segments left. We'll talk about how this committee come up with a system, and that's what we called it—a system, system to figure out how to help the survivors from the tornado. You're listening to Trending. I'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Trending. This has been Rogers. I continue to visit with Dr. Bob Bell, John Bell, and Melinda Kiefer. Uh, Big components and keys to the Tornado Relief Committee that was set up uh, through Putnam County after the tornadoes hit on March 3rd. We've been talking about how they became a part of the committee and who was involved with that committee. And it was a seven-member committee, and, and, and Dr. Bell was the chair and was tasked with, with setting uh, or setting up. And, and what was our mission? What's the mission? And I, and I don't know the full conversation, Dr. Bell, how that mission started, but I know that you obviously relied on John and Melinda to figure out kind of where we go. Yeah, I think the the mayors and the way they designed the committee were just brilliant. They they knew it would take administrative support, and they knew two people who – they weren't going to hit the ground running. They were already on the ground, and right. it, and they were running. And, you know, John's foundation does this every day of the week, 24-7, and so it was just a natural extension of the CRMC Foundation to be part of that vehicle. And Melinda just touches every base that, that was uh, part of what we needed. So uh, the first conversations I had about mission were we just need to help these folks. And we didn't even know at that point who these folks really were. Right. We knew some, but there were others that we did not know. But uh, they put a vehicle in place that let us get started quickly, partly because of the admins, the administrative support that they knew would be critical to the to the work of the committee. So that, and I'll, I'll admit, and I think Melinda and John had the same problem too, or maybe we all are smarter than I am, but 
I got a call from Mary Porter, and then that afternoon I got a text from Brandon Smith that says, will you be part of the Long-Term Recovery Task Force Committee? And I thought, well, Randy's already asked. No, wait a minute. Is that the same committee? I found out you're on the committee, so I text you, and I said, which committee am I on, and what committees are these? And so, John, was you're on that committee as well. And um, so we've only met one time, but there are two committees. But I was a little bit confused on which one I was, and I was texting Melinda like, "When when are we meeting? What are we doing? So we got that straightened out. But this committee here was to help financially the survivors of the tornado. And that was the mission the mayors wanted. And the mayors were key and, and very uh, adamant about we don't – we appointed the committee after this. We don't want to be uh, – not involved, but we don't want our names to be on it. We want it to be yours. We want it to be this committee's. What your mission is, what you how you come up with that in the process, we're going to stay out of your way. If you need us, call us. Uh, and they were very uh, open, but they just wanted the committee to handle it. So we met – I don't even know which first day we met. Uh, Dr. Bill, it, it was. I cannot remember, John. March seventeenth, seventeenth. I think okay. was the first one. And so two weeks basically after yep. it happened, and we met. This was really before COVID really picked up, but we got to meet in person that day, and we talked about what our mission was. The mayors were there, and the biggest thing we, which I think our challenge was that day, is is thinking about the questions uh, to develop the system to reach these survivors. So before we get into the system. How how was it we and and the county and city communicated with those survivors? What did what did we do to get the information out there? Well, I'm going to tell the front of this story, and then I want John to tell the back end, okay. which is the outcome. Sure. Um, the front end of the story is that on day one, our community's emergency management operations center was activated, and the staff um, there. We cannot say enough about Brandon Smith, yes. Josh Womack. Tyler Smith as well. So immediately data began to be gathered. Mm -hmm. And to make a very long technical story short, literally in multiple ways, information was being obtained about every single survivor. How to get back in touch with them. Where they had relocated to. How can we help you? And all of that information then was put into the EOC GIS system. So all of a sudden, not only were these people, they became dots on a map with pictures and names and stories. We There's no way we could have reached out to everyone impacted in that tornado. Right. So to be able to have that information and then literally be able to click a button and see their personal story documented right there, um, due to just some incredible decision-making, um, incredible drive to use today's technology yeah. to be able to be data-driven in the delivery of services. Um, we all were concerned about fraud yes, and people taking advantage of any system or anybody that was out there. Um, so because of their early actions, the outcome of this committee, the risk of failure went down to about a nil, wouldn't yeah. you say, John? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it just made a lot of sense. The information was already being being communicated to the survivors through the EOC, so we kept that text messaging system and were able to get them all through a method that they already trusted, that they were already used to using. Uh, we didn't want to create some new link or some new thing so that, well, half of them are going to ask, is this real or is this a scam or what are we doing? So that having that tech service and the work that Brandon and Josh did was just tremendous. And 
so it started there. The information coming out of the ALC with those text text messages. We we know not everybody was reached at that point in time. Uh, we did as a committee address that early on. We said there are going to be people that we do not touch. Uh, there are people that do not know about this committee and what we're trying to do. We will not neglect them. We'll Correct. do everything we can to get the information to them. If they come back to us four weeks after the fact, we will address their needs. We as a committee decided that, and I think that was one of the first things we decided, and I think that was important. Um, the I got text messages and calls the day of the tornado, and, and a lot of them were, how can we help, whatever, all across the state and some from the, across the country. And I said, well, I don't know of a link to donate yet. And I was texting Brandon, and I know he was busy, but he had told me, whatever you got. And so I was like, where can people donate? He said, hold off. And so this this started because there were fake accounts. And you just you scratch your head about people taking advantage yeah. of a tragic time. You just don't understand it. And only the good Lord above knows why that is and don't want to dwell on it. But we don't, you know, so much good to come out of this. You still have people trying to take advantage. So we get the information out. We get the committee started. The next thing we ha- that we're going to do is come up with a system, and you had a basis, John, for that, right? Through your through your foundation, this wasn't reinvent the wheel. You know, that was time was of the essence, right. Dr. Bell. We were, yeah. What was the what was the initial charge from the mayors of, about meeting and getting rid of the money? What was that initial deadline? Yeah, they wanted us to move quickly, right? And they said, now you're going to have to define quickly because this thing is still fluid. But we're going to try to to move things. Certainly, we ended up saying by June 30th, we want everything done. But uh, early on, we're saying we we want money in the hands of of survivors and victims uh, much sooner than that. Right. And so we we tried our best to to start a a process that would get the money out within 30 to 60 days. And we knew FEMA was already at work putting money out. We knew TEMA was here. We knew the foundation the and the Red Cross, churches. and many church groups were already active, and we didn't see any need to replicate that. What we were looking at was a systematic process that would affect those folks uh, who we called victims. Sure. And um, um, I think John and Melinda in particular put together a really good systematic process but the beauty was we had all eyes on the process the eoc and all the work that had been done by brandon and tyler and others and the volunteer center there at the fairgrounds they all were beginning to identify and we had aerial maps where if somebody said we lost a house we could go look at the foundation that was the only sure. thing left of right. that house. So it took a while to get all that data and to begin to put it together. So we wanted to do it systematically, but as quickly as we could. And, and I think it was efficient. And those questions, John, how, how did those questions uh, address the needs of those survivors? Yeah, we really took some models from uh, the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee and looked at some of that work that had been done uh, by Dolly Parton and others. But basically you, you create a, a – you know, a, a structure of five or six simple questions that really dive to the heart of it. So the committee developed five questions. We had one that looked at the health impact of the tornado, one on the home itself, um, whether it was destroyed or damaged or slightly damaged or whatnot. Another question on the contents of the home, one on ownership of the home, and finally, any other property that was destroyed. So within those five questions, we asked the survivors to tell us their story. Sure. So they picked 
which one of those answers best fit their situation and gave the committee that feedback. And that let us kind of set a standard um, or for a range on how we could map out, okay, if they answered this question this way, here's how many points we want to assign. Uh, and we standardized that because the real challenge is, you know, with a community this size, we're going to know some of those folks. Right. And these are emotional situations anyway. So we didn't want to be stuck and mired with those hard wrestling emotional situations and get caught up in that spending hours and hours on one case. What the uh, the system allowed us to do is, is to put some numbers behind it and look at it fairly and then ask those questions sure. once we had the numbers in place. Sure. Uh, so what made it fair, the same criteria was provided uh, for every applicant and the same scoring system was provided for every applicant. So um, it, it just, I think it was the right thing to do and it made our, our lives a lot easier because uh, these were some difficult cases. Yeah, and the process was very transparent, thorough, and, and, and it took it didn't really take us that long considering everything we had to go through. Well, when we come back, I want to talk about how many people were assisted, how many applications, how many people were assisted, the money that was that was uh, given out. So we'll be back with the last segment on Trending. Uh, this has been Rogers. I'll continue with Melinda Kiefer, John Bell, and Bob Bell when we get back in just a moment. Melinda Kiefer, John Bell, and Bob Bell. Uh, part of the tornado relief committee through Putnam County after the March 3rd tornadoes. We left last segment and John was, you were talking about the emotional side of things and how uh, there's thousands, uh, over a thousand people affected that we knew uh, through this tornado and, and the survivors we wanted to, the committee's whole goal was to help them in some way to help them. And we talked about as a committee, <clears throat> you're going to know people, as you said, it's going to be emotional for us too. They're emotionally drained. They're going to call us because once our names were put out there that we we're on this committee and that y'all are working with us, we're going to get phone calls. And I did. And it, and it was fine. But my response to them is, hey, there is a process. There's a system that we've developed. It is thorough. It is consistent. We will. There's nothing to hide. It's it, it will address all the needs and we'll we'll disperse money based on that. And that's the same thing I said to everyone I talked to. And their response was was really well. I mean, there, yeah. I never got a well, I need my money now or I never got a negative comment. The system was it worked and it and it worked really well. Um, a thousand over a thousand people, I think, were contacted. But John, how many actually applied for assistance? Yeah, we had uh, about four hundred and eighty uh, applicants. Uh, some of those were actually duplicates, so uh, some folks filled it out twice, not knowing if their first one went through. And then we did have eight applicants that were outside of the area, just way outside the the impact zone. Uh, but we, we called those out, and we ended up with 465 unique families uh, that submitted a needs assessment to uh, the Tornado Relief. Are people continuing to, to donate money to the fund? Yeah, to the best of our knowledge, they are. Um, one of the things the mayor's <clears throat> made a decision on at the first of the month was now there is a very strong desire and, you know, need as far as the committee, and we completely understand, but they're to begin to be a move forward that, you know, if we're going to have any more monies donated and monies raised, let's put that to a memorial park, a um, some type of remembrance area, whether that's in each of, you know, the kind of impacted areas or whether there's one location. So part of that long-term recovery task force is addressing that with the survivors right, right. that lived out there. Um, who may be rebuilding and may many are not rebuilding. Sure. But we, the long-term recovery task force wants them to have a say. So any future funds that are donated will go towards whatever plan is developed with um, 
the survivors and the people who are assisting them in that process. And there were survivors, um, and John or, or Bobby, the one can talk about it, that did not want assistance. And, and when, once we had the applicants and we didn't see their name or y'all didn't see their name, we, you reached out to them anyway, correct? Absolutely. And so what was the conversation like? If you found, if you found somebody that did not want help, what was that like, John? Yeah, many of them, uh, we had identified a couple dozen and started reaching out to them, and they'd already gotten mm -hmm. checks from insurance or other folks that stepped in and helped them, or they had a GoFundMe page, and they just felt like they were blessed and had a support group out there rallying around them, and they wanted that money that was donated, in, in their words, to go to folks who needed it. And so they just opted out of uh, completing the needs assessment. So we, we made note of that and moved, mm -hmm. moved on. Melinda, what was the mayor's um, directives towards the committee? Yeah, they had some, some very strong guidelines for us. Um, number one, as Dr. Bell says, is we move expeditiously. You know, we can't sit around and wait. These people have needs, and we that money is here to help them. Number two, every single solitary dime that is donated will go to those survivors. There's no admin fees. There's no charges against any of that money. The third one was that we'd be very, very transparent, that we're open about what we're doing. Now, we did that. To one extent, we were hugely protective of those survivors. Sure. John and myself, John specifically, because I never laid eyes on it, we made sure the committee never saw a list of people's names. Yeah, we nor, never saw the names of the individuals. We just had to see their scores. That's right. Or how they answered those forms. It was critically important that that information stay here. And then the committee's charge was to deal with a way to disperse funds. One of the other directives were the most impacted received the most amount of, of assistance. Sure. And so I think we were able. And then we had an audit requirement that we had you want to talk about. Yes, sir. And the audit is going on now. Is, is that is That's there, our is understanding. It? Yes. And so, I, and I had mentioned this, when, how many, I don't know how many Zoom meetings we had. That was the only option we had. And I think we had a couple of people that learned a lot about Zoom. There were some adventures. Yeah. yeah, I think he's really an expert at Zoom now. And, and uh, we gave him a hard time about it at first. But, you know, I, I told you early on, my job is to consult with counties. I'm not an auditor, but I do have my certified fraud examiner uh, certificate or, or um, designation. And I said, hey, let me know how I can help. But what I found was that, Everybody on this committee was intelligent. Maybe they weren't accountants, but they knew what the audit consisted of, what auditors would look for. They had they had that common sense about, hey, we, we need to be transparent. Internal controls needs to be in place. That's why we didn't cut any checks. No. It went through the county mayor's office. Right. It, we, were, we were not taking the money and writing the check, you know, and that's, that's segregation of duties. That's part of that. Had, as you said, transparency. That's a word I use on the show all the time, all about transparency. We were very cautious throughout the whole process. We truly were. And that was the directive. Um, so audits going on, we don't feel like there's any issue with that. We've had 400-something people that's been assisted. Uh, the money has been dispersed. What is there anything next for the committee, uh, Dr. Bell, going forward? Well, I did establish a one-year reunion after our last meeting. So uh, <laughs> we did bond with each other quite yeah, a bit, and we, and we will get together, I'm sure, to uh, once things settle down to – celebrate a little bit but uh you know we did all of this in a time when uh social isolation and quarantine was going on so without um, without zoom it would have been a really mm -hmm. 
much more challenging process. Yeah, and it and it was, Zoom was a blessing for us. You it know? Truly was. And, and it's been good to us. John, I don't want to leave here without doing everything we can to help your foundation. Absolutely. Um, you told us how to donate, but what else can can any can we help you do anything else? Is there things other needs you have? Do you you need us to help events? What can we do to help you? I mean, it's I'm just uh, I know this. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, uh, I, I simple mean, thing is if you have anything in your closet you're not using anymore, wheelchair, a walker, uh, um, a shower bench, anything like that, we do have a donated medical supply closet. We'd love to have that uh, equipment on site there at the foundation so we can give it to folks who have a need who can't afford it on their own. So if you have anything like that in your house that you're not using anymore, give us a call, 783-2003, and you can donate that equipment. Or if you want to adopt a, a family going through cancer treatment or, or stroke or heart disease, uh, you can do that from our website, cookfulregionalcharity.org, and uh, even a little donation helps. That's good. Melinda, What? so back to city business for you? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think we have, John and I especially, um, and I know for survivors, um, and I'm going to give a quick plug for WCT sure, tonight, they will air a rerun, a re-airing of Tennessee Tornado um, that they did a few weeks ago. John and I spoke about having just a little bit of closure, mm-hmm. encouraging our survivors to move forward. Um, for John and I to be able to kind of step back into our daily um, dues. But um, at the end of the day, I'm so honored to have had the opportunity to be able to sit down and, you know, so many times you work hard at your task and you work hard at your job, but to truly be able to see the comments that the committee has received back yeah. from those survivors. Um, and honestly, in this time, not one negative statement. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people, it is amazing to me sure. yeah. in these times of stress yeah. and and civil unrest i have just seen a community go you know what thank you for loving me and uh, i agree and, and it's a good story yeah it was a lot of positive feedback and that's what we're here for uh dr bell you've you've finished one charge you're going to pick up three or four more in the next few months <laughs> are you <laughs> going to take a break it's it's gardening time <laughs> i'm right. i'm going to finish uh finish out my garden and play with the grandkids well i I, i'll say this again um you three did a lot of the work the committee was great i'm not taking anything from those people because they were wonderful their insight their their brilliant minds their hearts most importantly you know i always say public service starts with your heart um if you don't have it here it's hard to teach but if you don't have it there it's it's hard to, to achieve a goal through public service but you three, especially John and Melinda, working, I don't know how many hours you worked on it. I don't know how many uh, times you changed the, the Excel spreadsheets, John, during a meeting. And, 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 and yeah. your dad was very patient with you, I thought. The other, you know, the other day. <laughs> Come great. on, John. That's a great comment. Uh, yeah. But you were changing numbers. Y'all are, I, I, I strive to be like you. I admire you. I admire all three of you. You truly are public servants, servant leaders. And I can't say enough about how much of a blessing you are to this community. And thank God for you. I uh, hope you stay here forever because Putnam County needs these three people. So, and we need you, Ben Rogers. Yes, yes Your we do. contribution to that committee was beautiful, um, and it it takes an entire bunch. It takes an entire bunch of sailors with oars to make yes. that make that ship sail. I think that's so. one of the beauties of the the committee is there was compassion and personal 
care from every member of that committee, sure. and yet everybody brought a different angle of vision in. Yeah. So uh, uh, everybody added to it. Uh, it really was a committee that gelled and worked well together i agree thank y'all so much for being here um thank you, come back anytime uh just remind everybody be kind to one another we're we're still living every day as as we're getting through and there's things going on but all you have to do is be kind to one another and i promise you'll get through this uh hope to see you next week on another episode of training this has been rogers and i've been visited with dr bob bell john bell melinda Keefer from the putnam county tornado relief committee and i'm so thankful for them and we'll see you next week